This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hi, friends. The world got you down. Don't be sad. Listen to $2 Late Fee with Zach and Dustin. $2 Late Fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment, the 1980s. We pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today. We also interview your favorite celebrities from that era. All in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. gonna go out on a limb you made a comment on an earlier recording yeah that there was still a parody on this album that is your favorite i'm curious if this is the one <laughs> it is not okay okay i was like the only reason i asked is because i'm like man we do have like these two like kind of more lo-fi yeah. dr demento ones i'm glad to hear that because i would say of all the parodies this is probably my least favorite <laughs> on this one yeah and i think part of it is that like i know that stop dragging my heart around was apparently a huge hit but i have really no emotional connection to this original song in the slightest agreed it's really interesting because this by every measure this was a big hit at the time but it has not as best i can tell it has not stood the test of time the way a lot of the fact that this is like a tom petty stevie nicks collaboration thing yeah, like two artists i love yeah 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 but <laughs> and for, could not care less about this collaboration <laughs> it's not that great to me the original song is fine like i think it's fine but it's it's just nothing super special and yeah it, this does not bring up weird nostalgic feelings for me in the way that um i love rocky road does any of that kind yeah. of stuff like those feel like you know something we're going to talk about a lot because for the most part al's ability to pick a song to parody and know that that track will stand the test of time is unbelievable <laughs> when he whips he whips when he, yeah sometimes he picks something to parody and now you look back and you're like what even was this i would argue and I, i'm playing my hand a little actually no i'm not playing my hand because i do love this album yeah i think polka party might have the biggest amount of swing and misses on thinking that songs were going to be bigger than they actually were. That like, might be true. That might be true. Yeah. Like, and I think even he's admitted to that. Like he was like, we were really like, cause you look at that album and I think it's like every song on that album he, he parodied was a song that was there to promote a movie. And his yeah. expectation was like, 
well, these were all big movies, so like obviously these songs are going to be huge, and then like none of them. Were. Big movies with songs by big artists. Yeah, like like, like it's it, like it, I it get... was a good guess. I mean, he was yeah. guessing right, but again, in the context of his career spanning so long, and generally speaking, when he does a parody, he's doing a parody of a recent song. There's a couple yes. exceptions to that, but for the most part, he is parodying something that's very of the moment. Funny well, enough, and... th- this album is an example of ones that are. He he picks on some stuff from different time periods on this record a well, little bit. Kind of, but kind of not at the same time. I know what you're talking about because you talk about like My Bologna and and Another One Rides the Bus are on this, which were both like pretty old at the time the record came out. But at the time that the singles came out, they were fresh. That's, you know what? You're you right. That's I mean? true. Because like, this was made over a longer period of time than most yes, of his music. Yeah. You're right about that. And even like when you get on the Dare to be Stupid with Yoda, like that was written for this album. And they had a bunch of issues with it. Then, I mean, then obviously I'll tell this quick side story because it is going to be a really long time until we get to this album. (laughs) But I'm sure you remember it was about a decade ago when he did the you can have whatever you like parody. Yes. And it was the first time that Weird Al's parody was on this on the charts at the same time as the song that was being parodied. Um, And that was kind of when Al decided that he was going to start doing like way more digital download stuff because he's like, oh, it'll help me stay relevant. And And ironically, is that also the only song that the parody is the same name? I believe so. I believe that that will be Because Weird Al's is also called Whatever You Like. So there's two songs called Whatever You Like (laughs) on the charts at the same time. That's pretty wonderful. So here's the thing that I remember about this though, right? He puts out this EP and spoiler alert, we're not going to talk about this EP because literally all of these songs ended up on the very next album anyway. Yeah. But he put out the EP of Internet Leaks and he did a music video to promote each song. So the timeline that you have to remember is Weird Al says, I'm going to do more digital releases so that I can talk about relevant things. Yes. <laughs> and then he puts out a parody of The Doors called Craigslist. <laughs> he puts out a White Stripes parody called CNR about yeah. Charles Nelson Riley, And he puts out a Queen parody of Ringtone. And I will never forget seeing Weird Al retweet a tweet that someone had sent at him that said, I'm really glad Weird Al's doing digital releases to talk about timely things like The Doors, Craigslist, Charles Nelson Riley, and Queen. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you know, in his defense, those were style parodies and not song parodies. I think that's what he was referring to. Like exactly, he to, but yeah. man, was that fun. But that was true, one yeah. of the best tweets I think that, anyone's that ever That is pretty said. great, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're doing everything in our power to not talk about Stop Dragging My Car Around. Um, so <laughs> Stop Dragging My Car Around, again, the wiki description that someone put on there is a parody of Stop Dragging My Heart Around by Stevie Nicks, and it is a lament of an otherwise cool guy forced to repeatedly save his 1964 Plymouth car from the impound due to illegal parking, shame, and non-payments again we talked about this with belvedere cruising i don't know about cars i don't sure is an 84 plymouth <laughs> a, a cool car a 64 car? plymouth 60 yeah 64, 64 plymouth. plymouth yeah, yeah is that a good car bad car i don't know <laughs> i'm going to assume it's a bad car but i i couldn't tell you honestly and again by today's standards a nice looking 64 plymouth is probably primo stuff but i don't know anyone listening to this who knows about cars please let us know yeah let us how know how wrong like an we are about joke this we're missing here but i do think that this on this album specifically, this is the only song where I think Al is also trying to do a, a pseudo impersonation of the vocal styles. Yeah. You know, because obviously the two that we've already discussed and the two that we will discuss, it's very much just that nasally weird Al mm-hmm. '80s voice. But this one, he is really trying to channel like Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks' vocal inflections, yes. which yes. which is cool. 
And he'll do more of that, I think, in later albums, but not as much as you would think when I look back at it. Like, no, no, not not as much. I mean, he he he's in this weird period where he's kind of trying to decide whether he's like using his own voice or mimicking voices in the same way. And he's like kind of trying to have it both ways a little bit. There's a sense of that. I mean, even though he has the nasal voice, he's still doing a little bit of that in in Ricky emulating the uh, the Ricky Ricardo um, accent and stuff, even though it's not the original. Well, that's different because it's not the song. He's yeah, he's not trying he's to sound a character like Tony. from it. Yeah. But the voice change, um, doing different voices at all. I'm just use just that term as like different voices. That sort of fades as we go you, through his career. I think you find him doing the vocal inflections more on the style parodies than on the direct parodies yeah. anymore. There are a couple exceptions to that rule I'm thinking of as we move forward. Oh, for sure. But but it, on on the whole, it's like he is, you know, when he does Dare to be Stupid, he is trying to sound like the vocalist from Diva. For He's sure. trying to sound like that versus on that same album, like... Like, eh, maybe not like a virgin is a good example, but he's he's definitely like, he's doing a slightly Madonna-y voice, but it is still that like owl nasal. Yeah, yeah. There's a difference <laughs> between through. like, there's a difference between like trying to match someone's cadence, the way yeah. they deliver a line and just the tone of his voice. And for the most part, the tone of his voice doesn't change very much. This one, you can definitely hear. And funny enough, Tom Petty is also someone with a pinched sort yeah. of nasally vocal so it's a pretty smooth transition for al to try to do a tom petty 100 <laughs> percent, yeah and we'll get into because again when i when i'm writing down notes and i'm like i don't think we're gonna have a lot to say mm. i start to write down what can we talk about and we'll talk about tom <laughs> petty for a little bit but i do want it before we get completely off the topic of the song this one something that we've been talking about in the last couple episodes Total 180 from where what we were discussing with like Got a Boogie and Buckingham Blues. This has some weird instrumentations all over the introduction of this song. Super weird. And this <laughs> like, is an example we were talking about. Like, this is where I think it's a miss. I actually yeah. feel like the accordion, the <laughs> manualist hand farts, all of that stuff, I do not feel like adds to this track. No, but I but I don't think it adds to this track, but I also simultaneously think it might be the best part of this track. I just think it's a bad track. I, it's it's just not that interesting. It's not like it's 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 kind of it's actually I'm say I was just going to say it's long. I don't even know how long it is, but you were talking about God of Boogie feeling long. Yeah. To me this, this feels, feels long. long. I could see a world where they recorded this without all of that stuff. Yeah. And Al was like Ugh, this isn't one of my something best. has to happen. Yeah, we have yeah to you're, probably right. to you're probably right. You're probably right. Because it is it is. I think that this album doesn't have a ton of misses on it. But if we were to put together some of the misses, this was definitely the miss. To I, me. I think to me. Uh, yeah, again, I'm revealing something closer to the end of the show. But yeah, to me, this is a low point on this record for sure. It just feels kind of like, again, it's musically not very inspiring. It feels a little bit lazy to me. Lyrically, um, it's not that inspiring. Lyrically, either. it's not that inspiring at all. Like my Bologna to my Sharona just feels like a very seamless yeah. transition. Stop dragging my heart around to stop dragging my car around. Yeah, feels for like that feels like a forced. It does. It thing. it it just doesn't <laughs> feel as natural. And then all of the lyrics around it are just like, yeah, okay, fine. There's some funny like little turns of phrases there. And I'm I'm looking at the lyrics right now just to go back to our car thing. Um. In verse two, it's the the person uh, took my baby to the local disco. I was jumping like a maniac, but the owner came and pulled me off the floor. Then he took me to his little office in the back. He said, I really like your snaggletooth necklace. Your pants are groovy and your hair is okay. But man, that car of yours is so uncool. 
like, <laughs> wow, I'm sorry, but we towed it away. <laughs> it is funny, the idea that the car is just so uncool that it has to be towed. It's not yeah, that it's, he's like parked he in it because yeah, later on it gets into illegal. They're yeah, like, yeah. Later on, it becomes idiots. like a repo thing. Like he can't afford to pay for it. That's like the verse after that, which is not as funny as the idea that like this car is so shitty that it's embarrassing <laughs> to be in the parking lot of the disco. So we have to get rid of it. Like I enjoy that. I think that's a really funny line. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just not his best. There's no. some good ideas here, but it's. Yeah, not not Al's finest moment. No, uh, there's also sure. an interesting lyrical thing on this track that um, at the very end in like the sort of outro loop refrain that again runs for a very long time in my head right now. He drops that line. He says like the listen, the checks in the mail, mm-hmm. which is I mean, that is just a phrase, but also it is. I guess a reference he's internally referencing a future song later. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really odd. Like that's not something I think I've ever heard him do anywhere else. Like he's almost like that almost feels like he's in some weird, like concept album mode (laughs) where these songs are being stitched together in a way that like, and I, the whole song doesn't like, I think this theory will fall apart very, very quickly, but it's odd to hear him be self-referential in that way. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Well, I think that because the verse that you just read, the lyrics to also gives me a little bit of a such a groovy guy vibe. Yeah, as that's well. True too. Like, like it does kind of feel like it's, I don't know. I think this song really feels like it's Frankenstein of parts Agreed. of better ideas. Agreed. Um, it's just, it's a bummer. It's a bummer when every once in a while, and trust me, there's another parody that we're going to talk about on in 3D that I also think is like a huge whiff for him. <laughs> yeah. I think that in 3D, which, you know, we'll get there in a couple weeks, like that, you really start to get that fully formed idea of like when he's doing a parody, like that, that TLC is there a little bit more mm-hmm. than this one. And I think that the irony in that, the thing that's really weird about that is the turnaround time between this and in 3D is one year. Yeah. But this is like five years of ideas getting exactly. put together. Exactly like it, that, yeah. Like this should have been... this. Well, we're going to talk about a song. When we finish the self-titled and are about to go into In 3D, we're going to talk about a song that got cut from this record mm. that I think would have been the best parody on the album, personally. I think I know why it didn't make the cut. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if he decided to cut that song and need it, <laughs> need it to come up with a something to replace it, and this was kind of the thrown together Maybe. thing. You know, you you just touched on something else, which I think is a, a the perfect point on this, which is that um, usually with his songs, with his parodies specifically, there is no getting you you have no doubt that Al and the band, everybody involved, love 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 the song that they are parodying. Yes. And I do not get that sense with this track. No, not it doesn't. At all. And, and again, who knows? This is just listener perception. I could be totally wrong. This could be Al's favorite song of all time. But it just, you don't get that sense at all. It does not no. feel like it is being handled with 
like the sort of respect and care that again, even I love Rocky road still is, has the accordion and, and hand farts, but I still get the sense that that is like, they are, they know they have something precious that they're working with. It's almost like anytime that you're an artist, right? Like anytime that you're doing yeah. anything, especially a musician more than any, more than any artistry. Yeah. Whenever you're deciding to sit down and record a song, you have to know that you that there is a higher than 50% chance that you are going to have to play that song a lot for the rest of your life. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like it's like any song that you write at one point could become the fan favorite where despite how you feel about the song, you're going to have to play it every night for the rest of your career. There are um, loads and loads of stories of artists throughout their career who have made that mistake and then been yeah. stuck with a song. And you know, honestly, if you do that, the luckiest break you can get is that you're successful enough that you can ignore that song. Yeah. You can be but, like a BC boys and you can say, we don't have to play fight for your right to party yeah, because we you have can be a radio head and exactly. just be like, we're never going to play creep again. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but then I also think of the flip side of that, which is like Rob zombie. I remember hearing an interview where he said like, do you think I want to sing Dragula every night for the rest of my life? Like, no, but like, it's an expectation and like, who am I to take people's money and then not give them the song that they probably came there to hear? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's an interesting thing. Cause you know, again, this is like just to, to go back to Weedus for a moment. Cause we get this, we get asked this question all the time, of course, about teenage dirtbag. And if we get bored of it and tired of it and to each his own, like I, I can certainly understand if you're from an artistic perspective, if you feel like you're locked in a box and you have to do this sort of thing, like, but from, we've always said and thought like, it's hard to imagine being angry about performing something that gives people such joy. I also think that you guys kind of lucked out in the sense of like Teenage Dirtbag is a very interesting song. Like it, it is. We always it, have fun playing it. It's challenging to play in its own particular way. Like there's we if we don't play for a while, we take a you know break for the holidays and we come back. There's always an adjustment period to get it back, even when we've been playing it together for years and years and years. Yeah, so I mean, it being musically interesting does certainly help. Because I could see, like, I could see getting sick of playing "Creep," especially if you're Radiohead out there doing like some of the weirdest, trippiest fucking music <laughs> on the planet. You're probably not like super thrilled to get up there and play like your little four chord, just learning how to play guitar grunge song. But like, yeah. "Teenage Dirtbag" is. There are no other songs that I can think of that sound like Teenage Dirtbag. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I, I mean, think that, that it, it does makes are, it easier. Yeah, we are <laughs> like, super proud of it. We're not, you know, like some of those other examples, like you said, for Radiohead, they got so much more interesting than that. For the Beastie Boys, they had, I mean, very publicly, they had issues with a lot of the uh, the lyrical content on that record. Embarrassed them after the fact, and they were like, "Well, we yeah. don't want to sing these things anymore." And that's totally fair enough. Like, if you don't, if you have issues with it in that sense. Well, and you and I have even talked about, even with the weedest stance, like the sense of humor of 2000 is very different than the sense of humor of 2022. So there are definitely some cringy moments on that I first mean, yeah, Weedis um, album. We, we, <laughs> there, there certainly are. We talked about it. Uh, you know, we just addressed Buckingham Blues has lyrics that now are like, oof, like yeah. they just don't. <laughs> it's the nature of, generally speaking, if you are trying to be funny, it's it not often does well. not age well. Comedy sort of, yeah, comedy cannot be evergreen because it has to be topical and of that moment. And you have to be pushing against the edge of what's appropriate at that moment. And what that edge is, is always moving. Uh, I'll just say that my advice to anybody who was trying to pursue any type of comedy in the digital (laughs) age 
if you haven't hopped on your Twitter account and jumped back about <laughs> 15, 20 years and decided to delete a couple of those tweets. Oh my God. Might be a good idea. <laughs> like, like oh I, my God. I've yeah. done that a few times where I'm like, let me, let me just see what like 20 year old Matt Kelly was putting out in the ether thinking it was funny and being like, yeah, I don't want anyone to find this again. Yeah, I'd rather get rid of that. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. Just and again, it's house. not like, you know, you can do these things without any malice or ill intent, you know, to bring it back to Al. I'm sure he did not, you know, who could have envisioned that in what he was making fun of in Buckingham Green was a, uh, 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 Buckingham Green. Buckingham Blues. Buckingham Green is a Ween song that I just forgot. <laughs> it's funny. When we started to talk about it, I was like, don't call it Buckingham Green. <laughs> it's Buckingham Blues. That's really funny. Okay. Well, we'll follow this with the Ween podcast after we get through everywhere else. <laughs> you and, about you and Chris Fios can do that. Uh, one. Oh, my God. I'm I'm that dude to, loves his Ween. Uh, we, we, we agree on that. <laughs> but yeah, no, he didn't mean to be that sort of like mean no. or cold or whatever. It's just that was yeah, in 2000 in 2008. Oh God, Jesus. In 1983, he didn't know that 15 years later, Elton John would be like the best-selling single of all time for like how much the world cried over memorializing this person i know <laughs> yeah, it's, like you could never imagine and also to see in hindsight that she was like basically in her own way a victim of abuse she was a victim I mean, of abuse and yeah. also kind of i i think that especially then we still have this issue today we're back on the buckingham blue stuff which i love because man <laughs> we do not want to talk about stop dragging my car around uh, but like you know I think it's very popular at that time and it's still popular in this time to if you see someone doing charitable events that is like rich and famous, it's kind of just like, oh, well, like it's a publicity stunt. Sure. But like the more you learn about Diana, it's like, oh, there was it had nothing to do with publicity no. for her. That that was it's how I would like to believe that like you or I or most of our friends would be where it's like, look, if we struck gold with money, like I probably wouldn't move out of the house that I'm in and would be like, this is the amount that I need to just like live comfortably. Yeah. And like, let's just donate the rest of this to like these causes and these people and like do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. Use it to bolster things that are important to you. Yes. Uh, And things that are in need of, of help. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, so stop dragging my car around. Uh, We'll (laughs) stop dragging this episode around where, where are you putting this on the parody list? We've got, you've got, I love Rocky road is your number one and Ricky is your number number two. Yeah. uh, No, this is at the bottom. So I'm, I'm sticking with, uh, I love Rocky road is the number one parody at this moment. Uh, I know we're not going to rank, especially as we do more and more of these. We're not no, keeping no, no, no. a strict ranking of everything. Well, I if, have I have a document put together. For there you that. go, perfect. But if we were, <laughs> if we were, this is currently at the bottom for me. There's nothing inherently wrong with it. It just feels kind of flat to me. It's just I, I don't know. There's it's very very difficult for me to get excited about any element of this track. I just I just don't have it in me. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I mean it's at the bottom for me right now. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that I'm going to put lower than it, but I'm sure that there are parody songs that I have just completely ignored for the last 25 years that when I hear it, I'll be like, oh, this was way worse than. Yeah, than I, I don't like, I don't think this will be the permanent bottom. I think that I'm, I have a one or two in my head right now that I'm thinking of that I'm, I are I feel similarly about, but probably a little bit worse. But I think they're right. a significant amount down the line. So. Uh, and one last question, I guess I, yeah. I hinted at this, but like, let's get into this a little bit. What are your thoughts on, on Tom Petty? Cause I know for me personally, I have argued that the Tom Petty and the heartbreakers greatest hits album is like one of the most must have greatest hits releases of all time. 
I absolutely love Tom Petty, which yeah. is all the more reason why this is surprising to me that this just doesn't feel like, and he never did Tom Petty again, did he? This is no. it. Um, so interesting. Like of all of his songs, <laughs> it's so weird that this is where, this is it. This is all we got. Cause yeah, no, I, I to me, Tom Petty is like in the top, I don't know, like he ranks among the best American songwriters of all time. Yes. He is the top of the top. He's incredible. Um, no, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. I really like Tom Petty. Uh, I have a, a decent chunk of his albums. I will make this one statement about Tom Petty, which is not a strike against him, mm-hmm. but I think that if you have only heard the hit songs on the radio, you're not really missing anything. Like There are still really good album tracks, yeah. but they definitely knew what were the best songs to be putting out to the public on the radio. There's that's not, fair. Like, I, I think he has some records that are more hit and miss. I think I could immediately think of like three or four Tom Petty records that are like, to me, front to back. Amazing. Oh, into the great wide open records. comes to me is like into the great wide open, greatest. uh, damn the torpedoes, um, uh, wildflowers. Wildflowers is really good. Um, I mean, th- there, there are full moon fever, um, Full movie was great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he he really like he had a nice uh, run from the he 80s had a into long the 90s. career of really like very steady hits. Funny enough, towards the end for him, he moved into what we were just talking about, where he kind of started to lean into a white guy blues thing, <laughs> which was not my favorite. Nope. Um, his last <laughs> two records, I want to say, were kind of in that world, and I saw him live at that point in time. I'm very glad I got to see him while he was alive. But he really leaned into the the blues thing a lot, and I remember at one of them he was they they did the I hate it I I don't ever mind when an artist wants to play you know more recent material I actually love that, um but he did like seven songs in a row from the oh, most recent the record he was stuff. like we're just gonna like play some of our new stuff and it was like seven in a row and it was really testing my patience <laughs> I, I was like uh, on the verge of walking like i was like i'm gonna have to go get a churro at madison square garden or something to kill this time We've I, all been I, there. if he had just You've spread hit. it out he just had to spread it out throughout the show because if you do like you know if you do free fall and then you do your new song and then you do i won't back down i'm, I'm on board for that that's no yeah. problem at all i'm, yeah, no, I'm ready 100 <laughs> locked in lo- i i think my biggest memory of tom petty is that i was very scared of him as a child because the first two music videos i ever saw by him were both terrifying to me it was, was the, it last the don't dance come with, around here no more don't come around here no more and last dance with mary jane were both like really creepy music videos. i think that the video for don't come around here no more traumatized a generation oh it is when she is a cake that they are cutting into it is horrific it, it is <laughs> it, there are really scary imagery in that and it was everywhere that's the video got played so much <laughs> um yeah no i i i talk to people about that Oddly often, now that I'm thinking about it, the number of times people have said, like, I saw that video as a kid and was like, I can't, I, I, I can't turn this channel on again yeah. for years. I mean, <laughs> Alice in Wonderland has, from the second that it was turned into a Disney cartoon, maybe even before that, has become such a beautiful template for how to absolutely horrify and scar children. It's um, intense, man. It's I remember intense. the 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 story of, like, the, the walrus and the clams... When I watched that Disney cartoon for the first time, I was like, they killed the clan. Like, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was yeah. so messed up from it. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, to see the music video version of it where it's like a girl getting chopped up as cake and stuff. It's just it was yeah, horrifying. It's, it's really, really intense. God, Al should have parodied that. 
Dude, I, I, again, they, talking the about video. all these. That's true. He did like talking about all these Tom Petty songs. It is just, I and again, you know, you can't know like from Al's perspective when he made this. Like you, he doesn't know where Tom Petty's going to go. He doesn't know what his yeah of most, all the songs to pick. I know, but man, this was a a miss in terms of like if you're going to pick one Tom Petty song, choosing this is like incorrect. Yep, <laughs> this is the wrong answer. Bad choice. All right, yeah. well, we'll be back next week with another classic uh parody i mean if you have the album you know where we're going with this legitimately the first weird al single yes if we're gonna do it by vinyl this is the first track on the we're doing the first track on the b-side yeah yeah you're listening to the geekscape network 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.